Welcome to another episode of the Jam Pack Report today for December the 18th of 2020. And late last night, we saw a move from Sony that I don't think anyone really expected. Cyberpunk 2077 has been pulled from the PlayStation Store. Now, before we dive into this story any more than I already have throughout this week, I do want to say if you want to catch up on the full news around Cyberpunk 2077 and its poor release on last gen and new gen and sort of PC hardware, you can check out other episodes of the show. But Sony is pulling the PS4 version of Cyberpunk 2077 and is offering refunds. The highly anticipated launch of Cyberpunk 2077 has been rough on all platforms, but especially troublesome for owners of previous generation consoles. A few days ago, developer CD Projekt Red apologized and encouraged disappointed owners to seek refunds if they did not want to wait for a patch. Now, Sony has taken the seemingly unprecedented step of pulling the PlayStation 4 version from its digital store and said that, quote, we will begin to offer a full refund for all gamers who have purchased Cyberpunk 2077 via PlayStation Store and want a refund, end quote. In a follow-up tweet, Sony acknowledged some people are having trouble accessing the form and said it's, quote, working to get it up and running as soon as possible, end quote. This would seemingly apply to those playing on PlayStation 5 as well, where the game runs better, but still in backward compatibility mode. The game's store page currently shows release date to be determined. Microsoft has not made a similar statement about Xbox, while anecdotal reports suggest varying levels of success in receiving a refund. In its statement about the issues players experience on base last-gen consoles, and its choice not to show gameplay from those versions prior to release, CDPR said it planned for two large patches in January and February to fix the most prominent problems. In a statement posted on its investor website, CD Projekt Red acknowledged the move, saying, quote, The decision was undertaken following our discussion with SIE regarding a full refund for all gamers who had purchased Cyberpunk 2077 via PlayStation Store and want a refund at this time. It also confirmed the game would remain playable for anyone who keeps it and they can expect to receive updates as they are released. In a tweet, the developers told customers essentially what they said to investors. That, quote, a decision was made temporarily, or I should say to temporarily, suspend digital distribution, presumably by Sony, and that anyone who wants a refund from the PlayStation Store should be able to get one. It closed by saying, quote, we are working hard to bring Cyberpunk 2077 back to PlayStation Store as soon as possible, end quote. Each day, I think that we hit the end of this story, where Cyberpunk came out, it wasn't the game that people expected, and then CDPR has gone back to work, and in about six months, we'll get the game that is going to be the best version that can possibly be had on the last-gen consoles. But no, today I wake up, and the story has gotten even worse for CDPR. Now, for consumers, this is a huge win, because if it is reasonable then you should be able to get a refund. And in this case, I think it's incredibly reasonable because CD Projekt Red misled players before the launch of the game. There were no review copies provided to the press. On top of that, the supposed PlayStation 4 and Xbox One gameplay was clearly a PC that was running similar specs to what you could expect on a PlayStation 4 and an Xbox One, at least that's my interpretation of that gameplay, and it was not representative of what you were going to be getting on actual hardware itself. So, the consumer was effectively lied to, and I made a video about that earlier this week if you do want to check that out. Uh, but what is the path forward here? Ultimately, the path forward remains the same. 
CD Projekt Red is going to go back to work and fix the game on PlayStation 4, on Xbox One, and of course continue improving the PC version, which is the most solid version of the game, and many people are enjoying that one because essentially that is a finished product. Uh, and then of course you will see the next gen patches, and the timeline I'm sure for their project has been skewed. I don't know when the next gen update is going to drop, uh, but it seems like they are beginning to prioritize and get to work. Uh, and ultimately, this situation, and I'm echoing what the giant Twitterverse has been saying, is just a really, really bad situation, especially for developers, because this is a corporate issue. This is something where the game had been delayed multiple times, they didn't think they could weather another delay in the public eye, and they pushed the game out the door before it was ready. You can't do that. Making a game is like baking a loaf of bread. If you take it out of the oven too early, the entire thing is going to collapse and you're just going to have to throw it away and start over again. And essentially, that's what you're seeing here with Cyberpunk. Because I guarantee you, I guarantee you, that if they had delayed the game for another six months to a year, there would have been backlash, there would have been threats, it would have been chaos. But it would not have been nearly as bad is what you're seeing here this week. And of course, stocks have not opened yet, uh, but I guarantee you CDPR stock is going to drop even lower than it has earlier this week. Of course, we talked yesterday about how technically the company had lost $1 billion since the launch of Cyberpunk 2077 because of declining stock prices, uh, but it's getting ready to lose even more because this is not a good look for the investors that are backing Cyberpunk and that are backing CD Projekt Red. So now again, we are at the lowest all-time low for Cyberpunk, and I hope that it's on the up and up from here, because as I said yesterday, we want a good version of the game. The developers want to give us a good game. Everybody's on the same team here. It's just making that happen. And I understand the frustration from the community. I'm playing on the Xbox Series X, and my experience is okay. The game runs acceptably well, it looks fine, but it's still not the game that was shown off in marketing material by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and I'm somebody who's having the good experience. I can't imagine how frustrated somebody would be having on a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox One, especially if they aren't lucky enough to have a Series X or a PlayStation 5. Uh, that is a huge bummer especially for one of the biggest games of the year. So it's a huge negative turn uh, for 2020. But I mean, hey, that's pretty much uh, what we can expect at this point from this dumpster fire of a year, right? I think so. But moving on to more news, Riot has casually announced a League of Legends MMO. League of Legends fans who would like to enjoy the universe but not keep playing the same game over and over until you die, you're in luck. Riot just announced a new MMO set in the game's universe in the most casual way imaginable. In this tweet exchange, Riot VP Greg Street starts off by talking about how he's recently been helping to, quote, develop the League universe, and how his new job is to kick off a big, some might say massive game that many of you and many Riders have been asking us to create, end quote. That pretty much says it already, but Street then clarifies, just to be sure. No teaser trailer, no expensive cinematic video, no concept art, no press release, just a tweet with the barest of details saying, quote, it's an MMO. That's a wild way to announce a game that could be huge given the popularity of the League universe, but then it's also very Riot, whose last round of game announcements were basically a bunch of shrugs and an admittance that, yeah, they were working on some stuff. 
This is normally the part where I tell you some of the finer details contained in a game's release, but since we don't have that here, I could just leave you to imagine that League will be like WoW, but with League, and you can take it from there. So, I feel like I had heard about this at some point in the past, whether it was a rumor or whether it was some kind of announcement, maybe some kind of general mention at some point, but this makes a ton of sense because League of Legends has a very huge fan base already and there is space out there for another great MMO. Of course right now you have World of Warcraft with their Shadowlands expansion uh, that has risen back to uh, peak player counts that WoW hasn't seen in 10 years and so you see the MMO community continuing to thrive and to have a new MMO is a fantastic opportunity for new people to be brought into that genre and to be introduced to these worlds. Uh, and again, Riot has a knack for creating very accessible games. And I can see this game becoming something that's very, very popular. Now, of course, I say that as somebody who has not seen any gameplay. I don't even know how far this game is in development. They say that they are hiring right now. If they're still staffing up, that probably means the project is just in the preliminary planning phase. Uh, but ultimately, it looks like a League of Legends MMO is on the way. If you are a fan of the League game or the lore, whatever you might be a fan of, hey, look forward to it because something's coming. And, uh... And, uh, honey, you got a big storm coming. Uh, but Nintendo and Sony shares have hit highs not seen since the Wii and PS2 eras. You could call it an anti-cyberpunk right now, couldn't you? Uh, you very well could. Uh, but Nintendo and Sony shares have reached highs not seen in over a decade following strong console sales in the run-up to Christmas. Switchmaker Nintendo recorded its biggest gain in over a year in Tokyo on Thursday, Bloomberg reports. Shares in the House of Mario jumped 6.6% to reach their highest level since December 2007, the same month the Wii Fit and Wii Balance Board debuted in Japan. Riding high following the PlayStation 5 launch last month, Sony also surpassed the 10,000 yen per share mark for the first time since 01, the year after PS2 hit the market. In a statement published in November, Sony suggested PS5 had enjoyed the biggest console launch in history after beating PS4's record. However, Nintendo Switch was the highest-selling console in the US, Europe, and Japan last month. Capcom and Koei Tecmo also hit record highs in Tokyo on Thursday. Quote, investors have their attention toward game makers amid the recent coronavirus spread and the upcoming Christmas season, Ryuta Otsuka, I believe I said that correctly, a strategist at Toyo Securities, told Bloomberg. In an interview published this week, Nintendo of America president Doug Bowser played down reports that the company is planning to launch a new Switch Pro console, but suggested it could improve the system's Joy-Con controllers to mitigate the prominent drifting effect. We talked about that on yesterday's episode of the show. Congratulations, I think, is really the only thing that's left to say here, uh, because Sony is doing incredibly well with the PlayStation 5. While I have not had a chance to play on their new hardware, it is selling very well. PlayStation has a huge league going into the next generation, and affinity for the PlayStation brand remains high. People love PlayStation. It has become synonymous with gaming itself. And in the same way, Nintendo has maintained its status and maintained its lead because of the success of the Nintendo Switch, which, of course, during a pandemic is going to be selling incredibly well. But on top of that, uh, it's going on one of the longest stretches of winning hardware that we've seen uh, when it comes to sales month over month because they continue to churn out new consoles. And even I, right now, am considering buying a Switch Lite. If I can find one for a cheaper price, maybe a used one, I'd like to get 
into Animal Crossing, I'd like to check out a couple of the games here and there. Maybe have Doom Eternal on the go. Uh, I'm holding out for Project xCloud on my iOS device, but uh, definitely interested in the Nintendo Switch right now. And so I think that if I'm interested and I'm the demographic that I am, a lot more people are probably jumping on board and uh, checking out what Nintendo has to offer with their little handheld. But uh, when it comes to the Switch Pro, I would love to see something announced next year. Doug Bowser is adamant about that not being the case, though. Uh, so we will see if we have, uh, have, if we have, if we hit, if we have, whatever, new consoles next year. But Nintendo says the Mario games are going away on March 31st because they're celebrating the anniversary. I don't know about that one, Chief. This week, Polygon interviewed Nintendo of America president and Reggie replacement Doug Bowser. Pause. No one and I mean no one can replace Reggie. But Bowser has remained quiet during his tenure at the publisher. Just recently, though, he broke that silence by speaking to a number of Nintendo topics, like the destruction of some Mario games on March 31st, 2021. When asked why Nintendo was going with the vaulting strategy, Bowser replied, quote, Yeah, I think I use a simple word, celebration. It's just, this is a celebration of Mario's 35th anniversary. And we wanted to celebrate in unique and different ways. And we've done that through games like Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Or we will be doing that through future releases, such as Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury. Bowser also says that there are various other ways in which they're celebrating too, with releases like Mario Kart Live Home Circuit, but that with some of these titles, we felt it was an opportunity to release them for a limited period of time. They've done very, very well. Super Mario 3D All-Stars has sold over 2.6 million units in the U.S. alone. He later clarifies that it's not a strategy they're going to be using widely. Of course, there is something else to be taken away from this. Bowser never mentioned whether or not the eventual removal of Fire Emblem NES from the Switch eShop was a celebration too. Also, they've done very, very well, and not using widely is telling. They've already expanded the strategy outside of the confines of Mario, and if it's doing well, they can probably push the controversy boundaries a bit and do it once or twice per year. I still don't understand this because you have a game that people want to play. I'm talking about specifically Super Mario 3D All-Stars. That is a game that includes Sunshine, Galaxy, Galaxy, ooh. Nope, it includes Super Mario 64, Sunshine, and Galaxy. There we go. Those are the three. Uh, and so these are three games that people want to play. These are three games that people have been wanting on the Switch for a very long time. Why take them away from an arbitrary date? Why would you delist them just because you can? That makes no sense to me. This could be one of the best-selling games of all time, and you're just going to stop? I don't understand it. Uh, but regardless, that's their strategy, uh, because celebration, apparently. Um, however, let's talk about some good news, shall we? The Game Awards 2020 netted 83 million viewers, almost double 2019 viewership. The Game Awards has become a staple showcase each year, celebrating the year's games while looking forward to new and surprising things to come. Its relevance as a fundamental piece of the games industry is apparent in its growth. With more than 45 streaming platforms and partners around the world, the Game Awards 2020 had a staggering 83 million viewers, an 84% increase over 2019's 45.2 million, which itself was doubled over the previous year. Keep in mind, too, those are just tracked live stream numbers, and there were likely multiple people watching many of those streams together. These strats were revealed by, uh, I should say stats, were revealed by the Game Awards creator and host, Jeff Keighley, who also shared a number of other interesting numbers around the event. 
The Game Awards 2020 peaked at 8.3 million concurrent streams at once, with overall watch time more than doubled, up 129% across Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube. On Twitch alone, concurrent viewers peaked at 2.63 million, more than 9,000 people co-streamed the event on Twitch, and usage of the Game Awards hashtag also increased by 107% year over year. Keeley also shared previous year's numbers to show the enormous growth of the Game Awards since its implementation in 2014. Starting off at 1.9 million six years ago, the 2020 show now has 83 million viewers. Jeff Keeley continues to position himself as the master of ceremonies around the celebration of games throughout each year, culminating in the Game Awards, which has become the industry's veteran's pet project. Developers and publishers are taking notice of the event too, with massive reveals and surprises taking place at the show, arguably the element that drives a major part of the viewership numbers. Some criticism has been levied at the show, which ultimately gets used as an enormous advertising platform, focusing more heavily on the world premieres and reveals over the awards portion of the event. Some awards get given out during the pre-show, or aren't even announced at all during the event. The Game Awards 2020 took the usually in-person event into an entirely digital platform in the face of the ongoing COVID pandemic, which could have contributed to the significant increase. With the tentative plan to return to an in-person award show next year, we'll see if it can continue its rapid growth with however Keeley chooses to continue evolving the year's biggest celebration of gaming. So first and foremost, loved this year's show. And I felt the same way about the advertising and about the promotions that went on as compared to the focus on the awards. And then I remembered that if you ever watched an older version of the Emmys, for instance, it's incredibly boring and dull, if we're being completely honest. This isn't really the platform for that, and I don't think that viewers necessarily want the Emmys of gaming. I think what they want is a blend of a celebration of the year's biggest games combined with what you get from E3. This excitement, this hype, this feeling that you're getting ready to see something that the world has never seen before. Uh, and the Game Awards blends those two elements together in such a very special way. And it's not really something that can be replicated. They do it so well. Uh, so personally, I think the show is fantastic just the way it is. And there's a fantastic podcast that I listened to recently uh, from Drop Frames with Jeff Keeley talking about how he began hosting from a very young age uh, and how his journalism background kind of spiraled into becoming what he is today. Definitely recommend giving that one a listen if you do want to. Uh, but 8.3 million concurrent viewers is very, very impressive. And 83 million live streams overall. That's a very solid amount of growth. Now, of course, we are in the midst of the holiday season, which means freebies are on the way, and the Epic Game Store has brought them coming. So to round out today's show, go ahead and prime yourself for 15 free games over the course of the next 15 days. Announced last week, the free games giveaway begins with City Skylines, which normally costs 30 bucks, but it's free to download until 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on December the 18th, when it will be replaced by another title. Epic is also expected to launch its holiday sale on Thursday, which will include discounts of up to 75%, and they did in fact launch it if you do want to go give the games a look. Uh, but ultimately, the big story here is 15 free games. On top of that, there is a $10 coupon you can get, as Epic tends to do, and you can get games like Star Wars Squadrons for $13.99 once that coupon is applied. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. $13.99 with that coupon applied. A lot of good deals right now if you do want to dive in and check them out, including on Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I believe I saw that one at $47. Uh, so, you know, restrictions may apply, but check in and see if there's anything you would like to play. 
But that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you enjoyed today's show, drop me a like down below and let me know what you think about everything we talked about here today, but specifically Cyberpunk 2077 being delisted. How does that make you feel? Would love to hear what you have to say. But until Monday, you guys have a fantastic weekend. I'll talk to you soon and peace.